It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Dolphins fans, welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the Fan Sided Network and FinFanatic.com. Good to be back here. Uh, we took a little about two week hiatus here, and now we are 17 days before the start of training camp, a couple of weeks before the beginning of the regular season. Uh, we were on a hiatus here because uh, Paul actually got married. Uh, gosh, what? week and a half ago here paul so uh how was your uh, how was your wedding and your honeymoon oh it was great dude i mean it's we got a little bit of rain on the honeymoon but i had the doors off the jeep the kid and i went tooling around the island he came over on uh, day five and so we went tooling around the island in the rain uh, still trying to get used to wearing some jewelry but you know it's uh it's, it was a good thing it was a great day great time family had a, a blast we had a blast uh all kinds of great stuff man it was a great time I hate, to, I hate to be repetitive. Got it. it a great time. And I, I, I know awesome. better than to say things about my wife on the air. Awesome. Well, congratulations <laughs> to you and Sarah there. Uh, yeah, I, I try to keep it off, off a little bit. Because any time I say anything about my wife or my son, it, it, it comes out awkwardly or the wrong way. So, uh, you know, I just decided just to, just to stick away from that. So, um, but, hey, we are, we are not too far away from the beginning of the regular season. Um you know, Xavier Howard, I, I don't know. Are you concerned yet? No. Attention, listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. First scheduled for liftoff, the new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even Uranus. This fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch, and can engage a travel lock, and it's even waterproof. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Um, Why not? I, for one, I think he's going to be back. I mean, at some point, it's going to be cost prohibitive for him to sit out. Um, for two, all the things we've we've heard in the press conferences. I, I mean, I think Miami's trying to figure out a way to get it done in a way that it, it is an unprecedented scenario, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that. You know what David Canner told him when he was renegotiating um, previously was, "Don't do it yet. Wait another year. You're not at your market value right now." And sure enough, he wasn't. He renegotiated. They're a year into the contract, and you know, at worst, he's going to end up playing it out. And from what I've heard about the development of Noah Igbenogany, is he Xavier Howard? No, but apparently leaps and bounds throughout the season last year and especially this offseason 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, what you see when he signed his contract back in 2019, um, he became the high in, in the other cornerback. So when when you take that into consideration, there, it's it's almost like Xavier Howard is saying, "Okay, well, thank you for all the upfront money and for the last two years and for sticking with me." But now I look at the rest of my contract and it's not very good. It's like a basically a three-year, forty million dollar contract with no money guaranteed. So, I I think that's where the the sticking point is. I think that if Howard just wants to be the highest paid cornerback on his own team with this contract moving forward, something gets done. If he wants to have a Jalen Ramsey type of contract, then it's going to get ugly. But I I think it's in the Dolphins' best interest and Howard's best interest to get it done because. Look, he just turned 28 years old, and he's got two bad knees. Nobody's going to trade multiple first-rounders for that. I'm sorry. And if they do, you know what? It's 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 like Tunsil. I mean, Tunsil was one of the best young left tackles in the NFL, but was he worth more than multiple first-round picks? Not at all, and we can see the, the results of that. So if that's what Miami ends up with for him, I can make my peace with it. Um, I He's going to be back either way, and thank you, Jat, by the way. Um, but end of the day, I think he ends up being a Dolphin this year, and I think they give him a bump and find that middle ground with him, uh, even if it's just getting him just a hair ahead of Byron for the life of the contract. Uh, and for uh, any of our listeners here, uh, t- I'm not at home, as you can tell. I'm in the Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri. It's pouring out here on the deck. So uh, I take no responsibility for internet connection today if something goes wrong. So uh, I, I think we'll be okay, but, you know, if you've seen the show Ozark on HBO, bad internet connection is is one of the better things that can that can happen down here. So, actually, it's a very nice, peaceful place. So, uh, but you I, go back to what you said here about Tunzel. That's an interesting thing, and people throw that out. I would say this: that the difference is that Howard is 28 with two bad knees. Tunzel was 24 and healthy. Um, I think that's going to be the difference in that. Yeah, Tunzel's now. You know, getting twenty-two million a year and cost two firsts and a second, but the Dolphins have to take those picks and turn them into something here. So far, they've got Noah Igbenogany and uh, what their second-round pick this year was Liam Eikenberg that that they used um, for that as as well as as Jalen Waddle. So basically what you've got Eichenberg, Waddle, and Noah Igbenogany as those three picks. They've got to be better than Tunzel because otherwise you look at this offensive line, it's a young unit, but it can go really, really well for this Dolphins offensive line, given their age, given their inexperience, or it can go really, really badly. I mean, to be honest with you, I'll be honest. This is a unit I look at and say, if they do well, I think the Dolphins will not only make a go to the playoffs, but could make a run in the playoffs. If it doesn't do well, I'm not exaggerating when I say it could ruin the season. Yeah, and and not only do I think Miami's starting quality has improved overall, except for the center position, which is still a concern for me and will be until I see Skura get through a number of games and see that he's no longer Rube Baker um, out there, which for those of you that get the Major League reference, thank you. Um, But the development of the three rookies from last year, the addition of DJ Fluker, the fact that Jesse Davis, who played very well for us last year, is most likely depth at this point, and he's a serviceable starter. Not a great starter, but a serviceable starter and a leader out there. 
the fact that Liam Eikenberg, I, I, I really do expect some big things from. And this is a line that's positioned not only to develop this year, but to develop even more in 2022. Uh, I believe everybody's still under contract for 2023, um, other than Skura. And, and so we've got this line under contract for several more years before we even have to think about replacing starters unless the right opportunity jumps up. And if somebody goes down, you've got Fluker that can step in at guard or tackle. You've got Jesse Davis that can step in at guard or tackle. Excuse me. So there's a lot to like with the young talent on this line and the development. We, I, I can't remember a week last season we weren't talking about something positive regarding either Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, or Solomon Kinley, or some combination thereof. And I think we just lost Cat for a second. He'll be back in a moment here. Um but yeah, no, like it's what I love the development of this young offensive line. And really, there's a lot to like with these guys. Solomon Kinley, I remember talking about him with Jamie Nails and what he liked and saw from him as far as the young player aspect goes. Uh, Snow Monster, you're absolutely right. The run blocking does need to improve. And I think that's going to happen with Kinley and Hunt in at the guard spots. And with Liam Eichenberg in, he's not a huge run-blocking guy, but he is a guy that can get some things done and um, in not just the run game, but the pass game as well. So, all right. who Guys, just confirm for me in the chat if you guys have Cat on here. Or if you have me. I apologize here. Maybe All Kelly right, should be back. In. Oh, here, there's Cat. Hey, buddy. Gotcha. Yeah, so we've got bad internet connection down here. So uh, yeah, no <laughs> I'll worries. keep that in mind. I finally I got I this. Uh, the, I was talking about the young talent on the line and the fact that I do expect them to grow. Um, the fact that, yeah, the run blocking does need to improve a little bit. But overall, I think that's going to happen with Hunt and Kinley in at the guard spots now. Um, and Eichenberg and Fluker fighting it out for that tackle spot. Yeah, it's you know Robert Hunt is the one I think could be really the star of this of this offensive line group. I mean, you want to look at a couple of big runs by Savat Ahmed last year. You'll see Robert Hunt just destroying people. One, one uh, in the the Chargers game, one in the Patriots game, the two games the Dolphins won. You kick him into right guard, man. He he could be a a, a ten year starter there for the Dolphins. Maybe not ten years. He's twenty five, but you know. You, six seven year starter um uh solomon kinley too one it, it, that's going to be a fascinating battle because the word out of camp now paul is jesse davis could be challenging solomon kinley for that for that left guard spot i would say this i'll go a step further and say this given the the appeal of what the dolphins are doing here is they've got four offensive linemen 24 or young austin jackson kindley robert hunt and uh liam eichenberg if those four can get on the field and even field a good offensive line, then you've got four linemen on a rookie contract that allows you to spend money in other positions. That's where the Dolphins need to be. So what I'm saying is if Jesse Davis is still starting at the end of 2021, that's going to be a big disappointment. It is. And what I'll say to that is as far as Davis and Kinley go battling it out for the starting spot, it's something that I said a few years back when it came to Matt Moore and Ryan Tannehill, um, where if it's even, you've got to give the nod to Kinley. 
if it's close, you've got to give the nod to Kinley. Jesse Davis has to blow away Solomon Kinley and make it unquestionable whether he starts or not. Um, it's because of the fact that Jesse Davis is probably not going to get a huge amount better than where he is today. He is at his best as far as his career goes, most likely. and it, it, Any type of improvement is probably incremental. Solomon Kinley is a developing young player. So if it's anywhere close, it, it's very much a case where, sorry, you've got to give the nod to Kinley. I really would love to see them experiment a little more with something they did in camp last year and look at Jesse Davis along with Larnell Coleman at, at the center spot. Uh, I'm not sold on Skura. Well, I'm not sold on Scurry either. Um, I just, I mean, I my, my question is: Does Larnell Coleman has he played center? Uh, I believe he said that he had uh, in one of his press conferences, and that he had some experience there. But you know, it, 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 I, I, I'd be shocked when they drafted him. He is really, really skinny, and he's mm-hmm. six foot seven. And if he's never played, I, I'm just I've, I've never heard that before. Uh, we talked. We talked about it anyway. in our, our position preview for him. The fact that that came out after they drafted him in one of the press conferences. Got it. Uh, Jesse Davis, I know, has taken some snaps there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not big on Scurry either. I didn't like the signing. I wish they would have just re-signed Ted Karras and just been done with it. I mean, to be honest with you on that line, because remember, they, they had a chance here to take Creed Humphrey uh, at center. They had a chance to take Quinn Miners. Uh, and they they drafted four players, and those guys were still on the board. So, but the other part is center is not really a high impact position. So if Skura can get in there and do as well or better than Karras, which isn't very hard to do, then that's going to be a steal at one year, one and a half million. Um, and I think if there's a snapping issue with Skura, he's we're probably going to figure that out pretty early in training camp, and then and then go from there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, my thing is. At that point in time, you know, Dieter doesn't really have much experience playing center. Um, and then the other two options right now, you're talking about trying to t- get Jesse Davis to play it or potentially Larnell Coleman. And you're taking four players along the offensive line. You're plugging in somebody that's not experienced with it, making your play calls. And I know people say it's not an impact position, but you watch Skurrow with Baltimore when he got the yips. And he completely destroyed their offensive possessions. You watch Pittsburgh in the playoffs last year. Pouncey completely destroyed possessions by snapping the ball wild. It, it, it's There are too many shotgun snaps. There were drives last year for the Dolphins that even Ted Karras killed by snapping the ball into you know uh, to his ankles. Um, you go back, there were times, if you go back with Tannehill, where Tannehill was looking, calling, an, calling the play or calling an audible, and he got hit in the helmet by Pouncey or, or whoever. So that position may not be an impact position on a normal play, but when things go bad for that position, it's almost worse than any other offensive line position out there. Yeah, if if the if there's bad snapping right there on the spot, I mean, it can ruin a play. There, there's no doubt about that. I mean, uh, like we saw last year in the Chargers game, you know, Ted Karras didn't have a lot of errant snaps, but – he did have one against the Dolphins are up 14 nothing. They're driving for another touchdown. Karras uh, miss, uh, misses a snap. Chargers' Nick Vigil picks up the ball, runs it all the way back into the Dolphins' territory, and it's a completely different ball game. So, yeah, that can absolutely ruin drives there. So, But that's how I feel about the offensive line as a whole. I, I don't need a line 
that is a bunch of road graders or apps. I mean, of course, I'd love to have an offensive line for the Dolphins that dominates, but I want a line that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And that's that's kind of what we're dealing with here and, and what and what what we're looking at is because and, and that I mean, excuse me, that's where the Dolphins really do need to be, because you look at you look at last year, you know, they started three rookies and given that. They were a lot better than people thought. I thought it was going to be a nightmare. I still think they had a below average year on offensive line. But given the circumstances, put together reasonably, I don't know. I, I, I would have called it a C or C minus unit last year because, yes, they only allowed 16 sacks, but Tua and Fitzpatrick had some of the least amount of time to throw in the NFL last year, too. That doesn't mean the offensive well, so they need to get better this year. Austin Jackson, to me, is the one. I the one player I look at on this team and say it is so important that he takes that next step up. If if he doesn't or he takes a step back, this line could be a trouble really quickly. Yeah, and Austin Jackson, leading up to the draft last year, I know you and I both weren't fans of drafting him uh, just because we needed a starter now, and we both really liked the long term development of Austin Jackson or potential of Austin Jackson. So I'm not going to fully ding him and grading the offensive line on a bit of a curve for last year, given the fact that they started three rookies, which is very unprecedented. Um, you know, I, I would grade it above a C or a C minus, but it's with that asterisk because it was graded on a curve uh, because of the fact of what they trotted on the field. And when whenever you trot three rookies out to start on your offensive line, you know that there are going to be some struggles that there aren't when you when you try veterans out there. It's, I mean, at least they're trying to answer the call with, with, with fixing the O-line and being that that's where everything starts on offense. Uh, you know, you look at teams like Cincinnati and the Jets, they kind of halfway did a little bit with two of what I view as two of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Um, and they they really didn't put effort into fixing it overall for for those two teams. Yeah, I, I can I hear you there. Um, and, and looking at Austin Jackson, when you talk when you when you take a look at him, he was I mean take what you say what you want about PFF, but among qualifying candidates at offensive tackle, players that played at least twenty percent of offense last year. He ranked 87th out of 93. And you want to see the best of the best and the worst of the, or the best of the best and the worst of the worst was Austin Jackson. Um, you look at the Broncos game. He was a nightmare. That first drive of the game, the one where Tua overthrows Jakeem Grant. Um, you've got three plays in a row there with, uh, with Austin Jackson. First play, Bradley Chubb does a swim move, goes right inside, completely ruins the Second play, Austin Jackson pulls and tries to run block. It was a complete nightmare. He didn't even hit the guy. He fell right on his knees. And then the third play, he whiffed again on Bradley Chubb. The whole first drive was specifically his fault. But the other side is, you look at the Arizona Cardinal game, he looked like a very good left tackle. So you can't at left tackle have these games where three or four times he's just terrible and three or four times he's great. He's got to he's got to smooth that out here. And we hope that that happens given that he just turned 22 years old. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, I think, I think it will smooth out a little bit. I, he's very, very, very athletic. Uh, I I will say that right off the rip, but at the same time, if he struggles, you've got 
a number of folks that you can slide into left tackle, and left tackle's not as critical given the fact we have a left-handed quarterback. Um, you know, it, it's it's two is going to be able to see that pressure coming from the left side as opposed to Fitzpatrick when he was a right-handed quarterback in the spot. It's just the way it works. <laughs> I, I hate to put it that yeah. way, but... And then at right tackle, I, I think it's incredibly important that Liam Eichenberg does start, too, because, you know, at the time, you know, I, he wasn't our top choice at the right tackle spot, but, you know... You're talking about a, a guy in Notre Dame who didn't allow a sack his last two years. Part of the appeal with him is that it, it's not supposed to take him three or four years to get mm-hmm. going. He's supposed to come in and play very well right away. Uh, I, I think the upside of of uh, Liam Eikenberg is Justin Pugh or Braden Smith. The, he's had the guard versatility, didn't have the longest arms, but did have the size, technical skills. That's where that's really where Liam Eikenberg needs to be because if he does, he's going to probably be a day one right tackle or in worst case scenario, he's going to slip into one of the guard spots and, and do a good job. So, so we'll see on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I do think he ends up being being a right tackle. I do think the measurables like with his arm length, et cetera, were a little less than desirable, but I do think he makes up for it in in, in several ways, and that's technique he's got very good technique he plays with a hell of a lot of heart he plays smart and he plays physical with attitude and and those things can make up the gap i'll take a guy with with 20 inch arms that does all of those things over a guy with no heart no smarts no attitude and no technique at the you know at, at that position like 20 inch arms is not desirable but i'll take that over you know some guy with gorilla arms that just is a is a powder puff. I I feel the exact opposite, as as you know. Uh, I I think offensive tackle is a very traits driven position, and somebody would have to explain to me why there's basically no offensive tackles in the league with shorter than thirty three inch arms because it's it it's 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 just a matter of physics. I mean, you can be technically sound, you can make up for that, but if your arms aren't long enough and you're going up against someone who's six five two eighty who has it was just a, from a traits perspective going to dominate you physically. There's not a lot you can do. You can't make up for that with heart. You know, that's, that's where I've got a problem with that. But Liam Eikenberg, six, six, three, ten. His, his, his arms are not 20 inches. Obviously they're 32 yeah. and a half. So they're not, it's nothing crazy. Braden Smith's are 32 and a half and he's been able to make it work. And in a worst case scenario, you can kick Eikenberg inside to guard uh, and then search for another right tackle. So, there are a lot of things done in the air here at the tackle spot. Uh, but when I look at the position, Paul, I see potentially six locks. The, I mean, Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, Matt Skura, Robert Hunt, Liam Eikenberg, Jesse, and uh, Jesse Davis. And then after that, you've really got a couple of, uh, of interesting competitions. You've got, uh, to me, I think, I think Jermaine Illuminor and DJ Fluker are going to be battling for one spot. On this roster, I'd be surprised if they kept both of them, who are veteran guys, as their seventh and eighth offensive line. Do you, would you have both of them making the team, or would you have one of them? I've got Fluker pretty well as a lock at this point. I mean, one of the things that I didn't love with Fluker was I didn't think he ever really truly made an effort to get in shape. And 
you look back at this off season and and his social media and holy crap did this guy get into some kind of shape now um it, it's he looks downright scary at this point and i think that was one of the big things is is you know you want to talk about physical attributes he has gotten in shape he's gotten jacked and I think he's going to be a, a pleasant surprise for folks. And I do think Jermaine Illuminor has a chance to make the team. But again, it has to be something where with some of these young guys, they have to clearly beat them out because if it's close, you're counting on the development of some of these players um, to surpass those guys in the long term. Yeah, I, I was surprised at how Fluker looked. Uh, he looked like he was in a lot better shape. I mean, he, he fit, he's what the Dolphins want at tackle or guard. They like size. He's six foot five, 340 pounds former first rounder back in 2013 um yeah it isn't playing for a lot of money i think it's what that kind of that one year one and a half million dollar contract there so uh but the other side too is i've never been a big fluker fan but i was surprised that jermaine illuminor was still available because he was somebody that was very very raw when he came out of texas a&m uh fell to the fifth round he started eight games last year for the Patriots for the first time at right tackle. I rewatched the, the uh, game tape there from the Dolphins week one last year with Illuminor, and I thought he did a really good job against the Dolphins. Um, and he's 27 years old, and he's getting better, and he's improving. I'm hoping that he makes the roster because I think he can be a guard tackle swing man and maybe be here for a little bit longer than Fluker. But overall, I, I do see them competing for one roster spot. I've got Illuminor make it, making it. You've got fluker makers probably the favorite at this point yeah and and, and then i think the fine i think i think they may keep nine offensive linemen especially given the injuries they had last year uh i think the final spot's going to come down to robert jones and larnell coleman with the the loser heading to the practice squad um or if by some chance coleman steps up as a center and blows skur out of the water while skur is skipping rocks past past Tua, you know there's there is a a path for him to this roster Nope. Right, I, I I completely agree with you. That's that's almost word for word the exact notes that I had down for for that final offensive lineman spot because they'll probably carry nine, mm-hmm. um, maybe eight, but probably nine. Uh, if they carry a ninth one, yeah, I think it'll be Lornell Coleman or Robert or Robert Jones, and they very easily could have drafted Robert Jones over Lornell Coleman in the seventh round. Uh, they they gave Robert Jones a bonus money as an undrafted free agent to come in. In here, I was surprised myself he wasn't drafted because at the East West Shrine game, I thought he looked exactly like Dolphins one. Uh, Coleman looks a little bit Jones making it over Coleman at this time, but really flip a coin on that. Um, but I also think they're going to keep a backup center, and maybe maybe that guy is Jesse Davis, but um, more than likely it's going to be. I think it'll be an interesting competition competition between uh, mainly Michael Dieter and Cameron Tom, um, who was with the Saints for a couple of years. Um, maybe you get a, a Tyler Gunther in there too to, to give some competition, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Dieter's got to take a step up this year. Um, well, obviously he's got to take a step up this year, but he may need to t- take a step, step up to even make the roster this year. Yeah, D- Dieter's got to be on the bubble. I mean, it, it, it speaks volumes that even when some people went down at guard last year, even when there were some struggles, um, they figured it out most of the time without Dieter. He looked okay when he got out there, but at some point that 
potential has to materialize or so sorry bud you know and, and i think we're i'd like to miss a, break a prospect uh oh absolutely absolutely you. sorry to cut you off there no you're good uh, I'm with I, you. I i liked him at center more coming out there yeah they the uh yeah so we'll see uh dieter's obviously the favorite to make it but not not um not a lot by any means uh but overall oh, we're losing cat a little bit here so um yeah, let us know in the chat. I know you guys are letting us know your thoughts on Garden Center in there. Um, Cameron Tom is a guy. I, we do like him as well, and he has some potential. There are a few question marks as far as these starters go, as far as these backups go. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it's very much a case of we don't know and we'll see. Um, you know, it, it's the Garden tackle spots seem to be a lot more locked in and dialed in than what we're seeing at center. Uh, the fact that Skura is what he has shown um, is an issue. Yeah, I'm talking, Grady. I, I, I saw Cat disappeared for a second. He froze up on us. So we're good. Um, what did Mike Pellegrino have to say? Anyway, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, agreed, Irving. We Then that's what we're talking about here. Um, yeah, Cat's out by the lake house to this week. So he uh, has some sketchy connection. He will be back here shortly. Um, as soon as he's back, we will get him rolling with us here. Uh, looks like he's on his way back in now, so we should be good there. But no, like as as far as it goes, yes, Robert Jones is probably a guard for us, uh, not a center. And there's a few folks that we're looking at at that center spot as potential, but again, it's, it's not uh, a case of anybody seeming like the answer right now if Skura doesn't materialize hey cat welcome back yeah thanks yeah i i take no responsibility for this here it's the, the risk of doing a live show and it's raining here at the lake of the ozark so i can't uh can't do anything but uh yeah what, what i was saying here is the final point i want to make before my internet probably goes out again uh is there's so much more um pressure on this line to do well this year because the dolphins main two things that they did this year they they got Jalen Waddle and they got Will Fuller. For them to be able to get deep on routes, the offensive line has to hold those blocks for longer in order for them to get deep on those routes. If they do that, it's going to spread the entire field out. It's going to make a major difference for the running game, for making big plays, for creating separation. But if the line doesn't block to begin with, Tua is dead in the water and it does not matter who they have at receiver. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And that that's one of the things that not to continue to beat a dead horse on this, um, but I know you wanted to talk a little bit about PFF and their rankings and uh, a couple others. It, it's I look at some of these rankings out there for teams like the Bengals. The Bengals were a team that absolutely should have gone with an offensive lineman early, uh, added another one probably in round two, and just didn't. They went they went with, uh, what's his face there, uh, Jamar Chase. At Jamar Chase, yeah. To, to come in and, you know, basically – be another receiver that can't keep um, Joe Burrow off his back. And you look at the Jets. The Jets should have gone ridiculously heavy along the offensive line. I mean, they made the right pick in the 20s with with garden tackle flexibility, but then they didn't really come back to it. And, you know, they had the opportunity to fix their offensive line, which, don't get me wrong, I'm very happy about. And 
you know, bringing it back to the PFF thing, I took a look at the rankings and stuff that they have out there. And when I see the Dolphins as low as they are, but then I look and I see, you know, the Bengals at 24, the Jets ahead of the Dolphins as well with not even a full starting offensive line. I just, I look at that and I just go, yeah, whatever, guys. You know, like, you're, well, you're, I, you're basing I, it off last year. You're basing it off this year, and it's still in a, in a weird place. Hold on. You you think heading into the year, the Dolphins have a better offensive line than the Jets? Yes. I think I think I think you're nuts. Uh, I think Makai Becton is the best left tackle in the AFC East. Don't get me wrong, but I think I, I think they have. I, I think they have. If you combine the teams, they have three of the best offensive linemen. My, the, the Dolphins don't have a tackle that can sniff Makai Becton's jockstrap. Oh, absolutely. Uh, th- that's uh, number two. They just signed Morgan Moses, who's one of the better right tackles in the league. I don't know why the Redskins or Washington let him go. And that, then they drafted Vera Tucker who's one of the safest players in the draft who they slot in at left guard. That's three of their five line spots. I mean, to me, it's the dolphins that are littered with question marks um, when, when you take a look at it. So yeah, I, I Bengals, I agree with you. Bengals. I, I, I'm, I'm surprised are ranked higher, but no, I, I think the jets are, are far superior in the dolphins heading into this year. See, I, I disagree. Cause even with adding Morgan Moses, um, you're still looking at, uh a barren wasteland between those three and that's that that would worry me if i was a jets fan as a dolphins fan i'd put your best pass rushing defensive tackle uh right there between the center and the left guard and say go get him tiger um and 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 go from there possibly even one of your edge guys uh until they can stop it and i don't know if they can i i think the dolphins are gonna have bigger problems if you got if you've got carl lawson going up against Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson's got to improve quickly. And Liam Eikenberg has to be good quickly. Now, because I, 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 again, this position scares me for the Dolphins heading into the year. But the other side to that is that if they develop and we see Brian Flores getting his team able to develop quicker than other teams, if it's an even top 12 to 15 unit on the offensive line with four guys under rookie contracts, then things are looking up big time because those young players are going to keep getting better. Austin Jackson's 22. Solomon Kinley's 24. Robert Hunt's 25. Liam Eikenberg's 23. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be huge if they even played in a, at, at, at a B, B or B-plus level this year. Yeah, and I do think that they're going to improve to the point they're at least a top 17 or 18 by, by PFF standards, and, and I actually believe it'll probably be more than that. But uh, I'll, I'll keep it realistic for now um, as far as that goes. I think Eichenberg's going to develop as the year wears on. Um, and, and my biggest thing is to be in that top 18 or so, be in that top 15 or so, Skura has to be at least okay this year. That's it. Uh, so long as he's at least okay, I think they'll be able to get the job done. Um if not, I think we could be in for a long season. Now, one of the big things I will say about what Miami did at receiver, what Miami did at tight end, uh, having a healthy Gaskin back, having potentially a fullback out there, having um, Dokes out there to, to protect the passer from that running back spot occasionally, I think those receivers and tight ends are going to keep opposing teams from having eight or nine guys in the box like we saw at times last year. Um, which was just yeah they that's one thing for sure and that that's one thing for sure they they can't 
Yeah, you bet. It it does take some pressure off, and that that's always the the big uh, debate. There is is does having more receivers and being able to spread the field out does that take a lot of pressure off your offensive line? I think the answer to that's yes. Mm-hmm. But the Dolphins have the have to have the ability to get the ball out of their hands quickly, as well as let those deep plays develop. Because if Will Fuller is able to get deep, but it, it requires you know protecting for four or five seconds instead of three. That can make the difference between whether or not you get sacked or whether or not you get a fifty-yard play. So that that's that's how big the difference is here. And I'll, I'll say again, one more time, if it were up to me, I would have put more resources in the offensive line this year than a wide receiver. Um, but I see and I understand what the Dolphins are trying to do now with two. A look at what they developed with him and Emma. That's what they're doing here in Miami. They want receivers who can gain separation so Tua can make quick decisions but not too quick because then you're going to start it with interceptions on that and et cetera. So anyway, also uh, in the chat, uh, Grandizer 12. Yes. Uh, I'm actually, I, I pulled my way through a hurricane in order to bring you this exclusive dolphins content here today. So absolutely. I, I, we, we appreciate you guys here and uh, yeah, this is one of the more interesting uh, uh, competitions here on the team. Paul, anything else jump out from the chat other than ripping on me for my internet connection here? <laughs> no, you, you, the internet connection showed up a little bit, but not too bad. I appreciate everybody, you know, understand this is something we run into sometimes with the live shows and 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 what have you. Um, no, I mean, there, there's a lot of talk about some of the shoulda, coulda, woulda at center, uh, whether it's Cesar Ruiz, whether it was Quinn Miners, whether it was, you know, a number of other guys. And we do agree with you there. I mean, God, those of you that were with us throughout the offseason know that there were I, – I, I think I made no secret about my drooling over the idea of Quinn Miners being a part of this offensive line, um, you know, and, and, as well as a few other guys. So it's – yeah, man. Like, that's one of the big things in there. Uh, Grandy said to be safe from the Hurricane Cat and Paul. Um, absolutely. Cat, Cat, I know you're through it. I know uh, – I'm I'm between waves of Elsa right up here right now, so we we actually timed it perfect for me and not so well for you. Well, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, so I, I'm just experiencing some rain, uh, and I'm actually I'm in one of uh one of our rooms here at our lake house now on on my on the floor. Uh, I've got my wife's seven pound dog behind me barking at me to get get out of his room. So <laughs> you could probably see the eight panel uh uh closet in the back here but uh yeah this is uh the expectation here is that and the dolphin strategy was hey we're not going to spend top 10 top 15 picks on offensive linemen um we're going to draft rookies with potential and we're going to mold them i wonder how that fits in with firing your offensive line coach every year that that's one thing that worries me a little bit but they're if if again if this is a good offensive line and they don't put a bunch of resources into it and they can spend them on skill positions and spend their money elsewhere. I think that's kind of what we all want. So that that's what we're going to be rooting for here in 2021 and beyond. So that's going to do it here for our breakdown of the Dolphins offensive line spot. Great to be back. Thank you all for uh, joining us again. We really appreciate you. Smash that like button. Tell your Dolphins friends as well. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, uh, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. Be sure to join us here 
this Saturday when I, or excuse me, this Saturday, this Wednesday when I will be back home with a full internet connection. And we'll talk about the front seven here for the Dolphins heading into the season as we ramp up to training camp as well as preseason. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side.